You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 51 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaja. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. Today is a big day in terms of trades. It's Tuesday, February 28th. Um, it's not the trade deadline. However, teams seem to think it's the trade deadline, and they're going a bit crazy here, trading a lot of pieces, a lot of big-name players, um, going to contenders as we reach the end of the midway mark of the season towards the playoffs. And uh, and yeah, we're gonna, today we're going to run through all these trades dating back to um, the Bohora trade, and we'll make our way up to today. Um, currently, we're going to be on our phones a lot because even Twitter um is breaking some news as we speak so um we'll get into all that in this in this episode uh, it's gonna be fun you know i'm excited um like i mentioned to you before mark i'd like to see a little bit more action from montreal considering you know you got a healthy healthy edmondson coming back and you know monahan's still still out but um Drouin's playing a little bit better so you know you're hoping for a few moves we've talked about the possibilities and what's you know what's possible for Ken Hughes and what's not possible for Ken Hughes but I guess we'll have to wait and see in the next yeah. few days yeah and we'll, we'll get into this right away because we've still got a lot of traits to go through and we'll talk about the Habs of course about their little run of late um but let's begin with the New York Islanders starting the domino effect acquiring Bo Horvat in exchange for Anthony Bavillier at Turati in a conditional 2023 first round pick that goes to the Kens, of course. Um, yeah, it's a good trade, I think, for the Islanders. I think they get a, a nice little bust over there. Um, for the Canucks, you know, it's too bad how it's been playing out recently. Um, I think last year was the year to kind of do this. If they were to do a rebuild, I think last year was the year to start it. You know, with new management coming in and before signing JT Miller and then kind of deciding what you're going to do with Thatcher Demko. And now you're kind of in a position where we're stuck with Miller, but we still got to rebuild. And, you know, you're trading your captain um, for still a, a decent prospect and a good first-round pick. It's a very deep draft. It's top 12 protected. That's the condition on it. Um, however, I think it's still going to be out of the top 12, so they'll be fine. And, you know, Anthony Bavilli is still a good hockey player. So, all in all, um, not a horrible move. I just think the timing of it could have been dealt better Um for the Canucks' rebuild case, at least. Yeah, it's it's a tough trade to evaluate, in my opinion, right? You can look at it from the outside looking in and say, well, it's a good trade for both sides. And for the most part, I do agree. And I do think, you know, taking a chance on a guy like Aturatu, who who was a very highly touted prospect going into his respective draft, fell off for respect his his own reasons. But um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's it's tough in that in that sense for for Vancouver to have any any sort of leverage in a trade for Borhorvat, considering the stance and considering the trade uh, the um, the contract talks um, prior to the trade. So look, I think for both sides, it's it's it should it should even it should even out in in the coming years. But look, the Isles went and got their big name guy. They signed to an eight by eight and a half contract, if not mistaken. So good on Lou making a little bit of a splash down in Long Island. Um, as you'll tend to notice as the episode um, advances itself, the East is stacked. Um, even prior to all these trades, the East was already stacked, and it's going to keep getting even more stacked as we move along. So uh, the next deal, and it was a pretty big one, 
I'm going to skip over some of the small little deals here. So I'm going to go to the next big one, which is February 9th, where the New York Rangers acquired Vladimir Tarasenko and defenseman Nico McCullough in exchange for Sammy Blay, Hunter Skinner, a conditional first in 2023 and a conditional fourth in 2024. That's a big one. Um, the Rangers acquire an elite sniper who is very close friends with um, Aaron, um, apparently. So, um, so yeah, look, the Blues are clearly in their rebuild phase here. They get back Blay, who had little stint with the Rangers. Oh, I don't know if he was anywhere else before. I think he was just the Rangers. Yeah, Rangers in St. Louis. Yeah, Rangers in St. Louis. They get their picks, and uh, and yeah, I think it's an and we'll see at the next trade that the Blues are clearly going to start rebuilding and retooling around um, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. So we'll see how that works out. I don't think it'll be a long retool given um, their aggressive GM and how he is usually. So, um, so yeah, it's a in my opinion a great trade for the Rangers. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think I think Tarasenko is a perfect top six complementary player, especially given what they already have. Uh, given what they already have, um, and I think, look, he knows how to put the puck in the net. He's played some some solid playoff hockey um, in his years with St. Louis, so I think he knows how to get the job done. And I think that's what ultimately the Rangers need. I think they showed, they proved last year that they're a team that can compete and knows how to win playoff games. Um, but adding a guy like that who could put the puck in the back of the net definitely mm-hmm. does not hurt. And then for the Blues, they get their first. They retain 50% on Tarasenko's cap, but um, he's he's expiring at the end of this year, no? Um, if I'm not mistaken, yes, yeah. you are correct. They retained uh, 3.75 uh, million of his contract, so his contract was mm-hmm. right there, just a little over a little over seven million. Um, so yeah, um, but I will double check the expiring. He it expires. Yeah, this yeah, is the okay, last year of a seven and a half million dollar contract. Yeah. Makes sense. The next big deal happened a few days later. It also includes the St. Louis Blues, but this time they were offloading captain and center Ryan O'Reilly along with Nola Chari to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet, 2023 first, 2023 third, and a 2024 second. This one was a big one because Minnesota was also included in this deal to kind of make way um, for O'Reilly's contract to be 75% retained. So the max is 50% when it includes two teams. Once you add that third team, they can add an additional 25%. And obviously, um, the max is 75%. Like, the team acquiring a player can't not pay anything to this to their contract. And they acquire Ryan O'Reilly. Already the Leafs are stacked at the center position. They acquire Ryan O'Reilly, who in my opinion is... like I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. That's a very good acquisition when you go into the playoffs. I'm a big O'Reilly guy. I kind of... I was kind of sad that the Habs couldn't get him back in the day when he was leaving Buffalo, and I think the price was too steep at the time, which is fine. Um, but for Dubis, you know, he didn't want to give up his first last year when it came to Flurry and Hagel and all that, and now he goes all in here for uh, for O'Reilly and getting a depth piece in Achari. Personally, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do. I think uh, you you kind of you kind of said it best. But O'Reilly, someone that you want to have in the playoffs, considering the Leafs. Um, history in the playoffs and you want someone that knows how to win games and big time games you know he he won he won he won a cup so he knows he knows what he's doing and honestly nolachari is perfect for their bottom six right it's it's a it's an add-in piece to the trade but that at the end of the day they the leafs have struggled in their bottom six they're very front loaded but when it comes to their bottom six and contribution from their bottom six um they usually lack in that in that area so 
to get a guy like him to complement the bottom six and and Ryan O'Reilly, who can kind of, you know, play a little bit of wing, but can also shut down um, probably any given line in the league on, on a, on a good day. Um, it's, I, I think that's, that's a move that was necessary for the Leafs. So the past two trades included the St. Louis Blues. So quickly, off these after losing O'Reilly and Tarasenko, obviously the depth pieces in Achari and Mikola, they acquired two first-round picks, a third, a second, and a fourth. In this year's draft, they have three first-round picks. And that's coming from a St. Louis team that that already has yeah. most of their foundation yeah, built, right? Yeah, exactly. So. so very good on Doug Armstrong's part. Um, Kent Hughes wanted a third first-round pick for this year's draft. Of course, the Canadians have two. I don't think it's going to happen, if I'm being quite honest with you, uh, which is unfortunate, unless I think the only piece that could fetch a first is Josh Anderson. But um, as of right now, there's no chatter on that front. So... Um, for the Blues, I really like that. Three first-round picks in this year's draft is, is quite good. So we'll see how they do with that in five years' time. But you know, when we record that episode, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. All right. <laughs> um, moving on from the St. Louis Blues double trade there. Um, quickly, Tyler Mott goes back to the New York Rangers. That's another addition. The Rangers made on top of Tarasenko. He was acquired from the Senators. Um. And this is a big one, at least in, in Habs Nation. Um, the the Arizona Coyotes acquired defenseman Shea Weber and a fifth-round pick for Dustin Mayo. Yeah, Dustin with a Y. Dustin Mayo. No, Dyson, Dyson. Is it Dyson? Oh, it is Dyson. It's D- <laughs> Dustin with a Y. I don't know. The, the Y was, I don't know. I'm tweaking it. It got me. Anyway. <laughs> Dyson, <laughs> you're good. Is that how you spell? You know, Dyson, like the the vacuum, like the like like the air, like the the the. And I don't know. Is it Dyson? No, I think it's D Y S O N. S O N. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice name, Dyson. Um, Shea Weber obviously sees the contract that goes to Arizona. Arizona loves to stash LTIR money into their little LTIR pot, so they'll add more to it. Um, again, I wish I knew what the advantage was here. I don't. There's clearly an advantage of, unless they're not putting them on LTIR and just trying to reach the cap floor, but apparently there's like advantages to having like a bunch of cap room and LTIR and not. I don't know. Anyways, um, it's above my pay grade, but we'll move on. I think I think overall, if I'm not mistaken, it's more just the contract, regardless of where the money actually ends up. It's the fact that Arizona can actually take on that contract, whereas Vegas, you know, having him on LTIR now, now like considering that they'll probably send Stone to LTIR, and considering that I think they just, I mean, I think this was before the trade was actually made, but I, I think it was just a question of freeing up enough space on that LTIR because eight million is not is not chump change. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're able to maneuver whatever they feel is necessary and and arizona being a team that could take on that cap might as well yeah very true that's a good point very good point um zaitsev finally got moved from the senators he goes to chicago chicago they took a bad contract for a second and a fourth not bad when you have cap room that's what that's what we call maximizing cap space ladies and gentlemen which the habs can't do unfortunately but in a rebuild you'd love to be able to do that but given the circumstances they're unable to do so um, moving on, next big trade. The Boston Bruins, first in the league, 
I think they're still first in the league. Um, acquired Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway from the Washington Capitals in exchange for Craig Smith at 2023 first, 2025 second, and 2024 third. Um, yeah, Dmitry Orlov to the Bruins. We were expecting Gavrikov. I think a lot of people were. But they go get the go get Orlov, excuse me, and Hathaway, which, look, already stacked team. Going to add some more better players. Some more better. Some better players. And, uh, and yeah. Good, good move. Good move yeah. for both teams. You know what? I was a big fan of it right off the bat, um, particularly for the reason that it's not that I have anything against a guy like Gavrikov or even Edmondson for that matter, but it's more just the fact that I thought that this was going to be a trade deadline like a few others that we've seen in recent history where teams were going to overpay for the defenseman. And we saw that with Ben Chirot last year. And look how that turned out for Florida, right? It was a big win for Montreal and a big loss for Florida and it, where they they barely got anything out of Sherrod. But all that to say is that I think Dmitry Orlov in this case is more of a game changer. I think you've, he's more a little bit more proven than a guy like Gavrikov. And I think that he actually has a little bit more, more to his game. And I think by adding that player, it's like you know what you're getting and you know what he's going to provide for you. Not Nothing against a guy like Gavrikov, but more just you're, you're, you're a little bit more confident with that move for Orlov, in my opinion, at least. Mm-hmm. And for those questioning why Dmitry Orlov was moved... Um, they couldn't come to a contract agreement, and I think better than losing him for free, might as well get some assets for him, and they got a nice first-round pick and a very stacked draft. So good for them. Good for them. Uh, Habs legend Keith Kincaid got traded to the Colorado Avalanche, which is fun. Always fun to see uh, legends get moved around. Finally, the Rangers have moved on from forward Vitaly Kravstov, who goes to the Canucks in exchange for William Lockwood and a seventh-round pick. Um, we were having a very, very good lunch at Cafe Gentile when this trade went down. Uh, we're not mm-hmm. sponsored by Cafe Gentile. However, um, I, like to tr- I like to throw these in here and there because if someone from Gents is listening, like if we could have some iced tea every episode. Or some chicken some cutlet. Chicken, uh, yeah, know. some chicken cutlets. Um, yeah. Look, I'm just saying these episodes would be a lot longer. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. We'd be in a very good mood every time. We're, we're always we always are in a good mood, but like some some yeah. You know what? Now I'm craving some Gentile's. Uh, you are, eh? I see. Yeah, yeah. I really am. Yeah. Whatever. Well, if, why'd you have to sorry. do that? Well, if they're listening, um, <laughs> you know, hit us up. You, you know where to get us. You know where our email is. There you go. Um. So yeah, Vitaly Kravstov to the to the Canucks. Uh, low risk, high reward potential move for the Canucks. We'll see what happens. I kind of wanted him in Montreal, but hey, um, we got our own reclamation project. Yeah, we got our own to, to deal with now, and we'll get to that right yeah. now, actually, where the Montreal Canadiens trade beloved Evgeny Dadanov to the Dallas Stars in exchange for Denis Gurianov, 25-year-old right winger. Former first-round Former pick. Former first-round pick. Scored 20 goals in 60 games a few seasons back. Um, look. Why not? I look to me. I'm just someone that believes more in taking on a player that actually might have some potential than taking on, like in this case, a potential fifth or yeah. sixth round pick. Right? You don't. First of all, a fifth or sixth round pick is a very low, you know, your very low probability of actually hitting on those picks. And now you're getting a guy that has actually proven something in this league. Not a ton, not a ton for that matter. But again, 25 years old has put up a, a, a 20 goal season or two correct me if i'm wrong i, I think may, it, it might just be one yeah like, I, just anyway. was a short, I can double check it that. was a short period of time that's why people bring it up 
Right. So anyway, but look, uh, there, there's something there. There's something there. And, and look, everyone is freaking out about, look, let, let's see what St. Louis can do for him as a player. Let's see, let's see what he can look. Let's, let's give that, let's give that a little bit of time because he's had his time in the league to prove his worth and hasn't gone to that point yet. Um, but again, I, I think that there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, oh my God, there's not a lot of downside mm-hmm. in my opinion. If I'm not mistaken, um, he's playing with the, with the first line tonight with Suzuki tonight uh, in San Jose. So we'll get to see yeah, him uh, skate around with those guys uh, tonight. Um, yeah, to Dadnov, thank you, I guess, for helping with the tank somewhat. Did you see his goal last night? He scored Dallas, yeah. obviously, in his first game. Wild. I've never seen that man move like that in my life. The guy turned on the Jets. Like, through the neutral it's zone, so head you know, down, boom. It's actually wild because, every, like, I, I don't know if you're seeing this on Twitter, but everyone's like, you know, he never did this in Montreal. What's that all about? And I mean, like, give the guy a break here. Like, like, are we really expecting, like, look, don't get me wrong. It was a great play. But, you know, you're playing on a, on a top, you know, in my opinion, a, t- a top team in the league, you know, with some of the top players. You're excited to be in a new, in a new, environment because look the montreal the montreal environment this year has been nothing short of depressing in my opinion right like a lot yeah. of injuries and not a lot of success there's not there's not much going on and look he's he's not he's not very uh familiar with with that in with that specific environment so i mean give the guy a break i don't think uh everyone's expecting evgeny dadanov magic in montreal i think you're uh i think you were shooting for the stars there yeah well now i gotta return my jersey um <laughs> if they'll take it back um, uh, also, also, I, I also wanted to just mention quickly that, uh, <laughs> Dennis Grianov is, is an RFA at the end of the season and he does have arbitration rights. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't seem to be, including myself. And I think I, I might be speaking for you as well, but don't seem to be concerned by the, uh, by the arbitration. Um, just considering that he hasn't really proven too much in this league to the point where he would merit more than he's already made. Um, so again, if he, if he finishes off the season strong and, you know, merits a, a contract extension with Montreal as an RFA, then it might, it, it could be, it could be pretty, uh, team friendly in that case. I think whenever it comes to negotiations, I'm not very nervous in general when it comes to Kent Hughes. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. I think that's his forte. He's been, he's been down that path. That's his forte. Yeah. And especially when we saw like the first arbitration case where, we're, you know, we're looking at Rem Pitlick and we're like, are they going to send to arbitration? They're like, nope, straight to waivers. And everyone's like, oh my God, what the hell? Like, That's Rem. Like, what are you doing? And then yeah. it was a good decision after all, you know? So like, that was right. his first, like, what's he going to do? And he went the bold way and it worked out. So I'm not too nervous Absolutely. about the about big man Kent. Um, next, the Blues once more. You know, Doug Armstrong has been on the phones. Sorry, do you want to, before before you get to that one, you want to just talk briefly about the Nino Niederreiter one? To win a oh, oh, yeah, I jumped over that given uh, it's the Jets. <laughs> Fair enough. Nino Niederreiter to Fair the enough. Jets for a second. You know, the Jets are, I feel bad for the Jets, I mean, honest. If you're Kevin Chevaldeoff, how do you, how do you build a team knowing no one wants to be there? You know what I mean? It's it's pretty yeah, it's depressing. It's like you built a great team a few years back, you went to the Western Conference Finals. And because of the way it was managed cap wise, you kinda had to lose some big names on defense and you know um a few names up front. And then you you know, you go through the whole line A saga, get rid of him, get an extremely good player in return, Pierre Luc Dubois. He wants to come home. 
which yippee, he wants to be a hab. And then you're looking at Shifley, who's a UFA next year. Wheeler's who who's a UFA next year. You have Morrissey locked in, which is amazing. He'll probably be your captain. So you're looking at this team and you go, well, if Dubois leaves, is Shifley going to stay? Probably not. I just stripped Wheeler of his captaincy. Do you really think he's going to stay? No. So what's the move? Obviously, this year they have to go all in because I think they have a very good roster. But in the future, it's like, do you start trading these assets and building around Cal Connor? What's going on here? And you're kind of in the middle. So um, for the Jets, look, you don't need a writer. I think he adds a little bit of depth. But at the end of the day, I think their roster still, like forward-wise, is very good in the West. They're fine in the West, Mm -hmm. as John Morant would say. They're fine. Mm-hmm, so shit, the West is yeah. pretty weak. I think they're fine. The West, yeah, I can agree. But yeah, uh, PLD um, number third is waiting for you, bud. Let's see if he actually comes through on his uh, on his all that all that talk about wanting to be in Montreal. Well, you know, Friedman um, when he says something, it's probably gonna happen. Like there's a. 90% chance it's going to happen because he's not the type of guy to open his mouth and say something that won't be true or that, you know, because you're dealing with not just um, fans and speculation, you're dealing with players and their families and teams and whatever. So you can't just start saying stuff for no reason. And when he says something, usually it's going to happen. And I don't know if you listened to like one of their podcasts recently. I can't tell you which one it was when he was talking about the Jets and uh, and he mentioned, you know, Shifley, Wheeler, all that stuff. But he mentioned Dubois' eyes his future is set on Montreal. And for him to just say that so casually kind of means that like that's kind of the decision and that's what everyone knows in Winnipeg. It's like it's going to happen. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, no that that would be uh look we we'll, we'll get into that I'm sure at one point as the as the off season approaches and as as there's more talk surrounding uh, the potential for that type of move, but yeah, absolutely. It's it's tough to be I mean the Jet, the Jets in my opinion again, you look at the West and for the West they're a good team. They're a good team, and they're built. They're built pretty nicely. I mean, their de- their decor lacks a little bit, um, but top nine, top top twelve, they're uh, they're a pretty well built team. So it's it sucks for their their team, their fan base, to continuously lose out on players year after year after year after year, and and have very little success in the playoffs, right? Except for that one run that they made in whatever year it was. I couldn't even name it to you at this point. Um, that which was crazy, by the way. That whiteout. Was, in yeah, it was, that was the inaugural season. Right, so that was what 2020 or 2019, 2019, I believe, when uh, or 2018, when, when they, I don't even know, 2018, yes, when when the um, when uh, Washington won yeah, the cup, yeah, exactly, right? Washington won the cup, yeah, yeah, so that that was wild, but all that to say is that it's it, it must suck, like you know, we we have a hard time getting players, like attracting players, but once the players get here, they like to stay. Yeah, if that yeah, yeah, no, I, I, exactly. Kinda, yeah, it, but they have the problem of actually getting them here to be, or they have the problem of retaining them. With the problem of both, like tracking them and retaining them. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. Um, that's true. But yeah, look for the Jets. They always had, like I've always really liked their forward core. Like they've always had an extremely good core forward core, and um, yeah, it's just it's a tough position to be in when, like you said, the fans. It's tough when players are constantly leaving. Especially that Dubois had so much success there, and now he's just gonna. Well, like he's coming to us, I'm not really gonna complain. And this is the first time, you know, I don't think I've ever been alive 
where a player has, or since I've been alive, a player has said, you know what, I want Montreal or nothing. I've seen it happen many, many times with the Rangers, but never with the Canadians. But especially when it's a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois, like we, we, like he's in, look, he's uh, throughout his career so far, he's been about a point per game player. Mm -hmm. He's still young and he still has a lot of room for improvement. and, And it's a question of, well, When's the last time that you've had a like a significant player say that they want to play in mm-hmm. Montreal? You knew Drew I wanted was was happy to be a part of Montreal the second he was traded there from Tampa, but when have you actually had a player like him who has said like it's it's that or nothing? Like yeah, Drew, never, it wasn't really never. that or nothing. It was kind of just getting me the hell out of here. But um, right, and then he was very happy to be in Montreal. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but um, it'd be cool because if it's the really if it's truly Montreal nothing, that trade value descends rapidly because you have all you're holding all the cards you can say okay he'll come to me for free i'll give you a little something you know but look 55 points in 60 games this year 60 points in 81 last year like he's he's a dynamic he's a dynamic player he's a dynamic player and i mean adding to what montreal will will already have at that point would be uh would be quite a sight Yep. Um, but I guess we're going to have to put our patience cap on and, <laughs> and wait it out a little bit longer. Cause again, like you said, the, 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 uh, the draft that, sorry, not the draft value, the trade value will decline. However, is it worth even trading anything at that point? Once he hits the UFA market? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. And we're going to move on here. I'm going to skip over a few little small ones. Um, here we're going to go through, um, another St. Louis blues trade. Ivan Barbashev gets moved to the Vegas Golden Knights for Zach Dean, who's a prospect. Um, we all knew Barbashev was moving. We know to where or what the price would be. Um, and yeah, that's pretty. It's a pretty good deal for Vegas. I think. I don't think they gave up too too much. I, I've heard like I was hearing weeks before that like the ask was a first, and I'm like, wow, if you're gonna give a 2023 first for Barbashev, you're, you're kind of out of your mind here. But they they just give away a prospect, and I think Vegas has no prospects. So to find one and move him is pretty pretty impressive. And even and even on top of the fact that you know Zach Dean twenty twenty one first first round pick right right at the back end of the first round he's been over point per game consistently in the queue. I mean, look, it's a it's a player that for for a, again for a team that's in we'll call it the retooling phase at this point. You're adding a guy that you know now is twenty years old. Next year he'll turn twenty one years old. He's in that he's going to be kind of part of that that core group. Uh, and and it might not necessarily be in a top six role, but if it's in a middle six or even bottom six role, it's still a question of where this team is going and if they're moving in the same direction at the same time. Kind of like what we want Montreal to be doing. Then I mean you're going to be a pretty successful mm-hmm. team. Yep. All right. The big one of the most recent of the past few days, which happened February 26th, actually a few days ago, two days ago. Um, all right, let's finally, I'll a long list go through, but we'll get through it. San Jose finally deals Timo Meyer, and it goes to the New Jersey Devils. And we kind of expected New Jersey to be the big player in this, and I'm not surprised that they ended up being that team, given the, the teams in New York that have kind of been going all in, you know, Horvat, and then the Rangers will get into it, but already they acquired Tarasenko in our little timeline here. But, um, yeah, so they acquire Timo Meyer, Scott Harrington, Santeri Hataka, Timur Ibragamov, Zachary Mo, a fifth-round pick in 2024. So that's everything that the Jet, that the Devils acquire, excuse me. 
the Sharks acquired Andreas Janssen. The big prospect in this deal is Jakir. I'm going to butcher this. I'm so sorry. Makamadulin. Not bad. You got it. I got it. No, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Nikita, I might butcher this too. Okotiuk. Yeah, I think it's like Okot. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're, I'm not even going to. Did they do try. this on purpose? Like, why do they do this? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, let's get all the podcasters to fumble their words. Uh, Fabian Zetterland, a 2023 first round pick, a 2024 conditional first round pick, and 2024th seventh round pick. So, a lot of moving pieces. But if we kind of move everything aside, apart from all the roster moves in the AHL and NHL, it's practically Timo Meyer for Shakir Makamadulin, a first and two firsts, excuse me. And maybe Zetterlin. I don't, I, like, I don't know the quality of these prospects and these players, but if we're looking at the big picture, that's what we're kind of looking at. Um, to me, underwhelming. I don't know about you. Yeah, have to underwhelming from the Sharks' perspective. Because if you're waiting out this long to not get, especially if we're looking at the Devils here, let's look at the Devils here, and you're not getting a Dawson Mercer or, um, what's his name? Holtz. Alexander Holtz. Yeah, I'd be I'd be quite sad if I was a Sharks fan. Yeah, no, I'm I I can completely agree with that. The one thing I will give to San Jose in this case, and when I say give to them, is this is solely based on potential here. Is I think that you can this can be because when you're dealing with so many names, there's an increased possibility of of one of these guys or even two of these guys panning out, correct? And if you look back to the Devils trade with the Sens, right, when it was sending Eric Carlson from the Sens to the Sharks in return, they received Josh Norris, a first-round pick that ended up turning into Tim Stutzle. All of that to say is that I think that when you're dealing with so many pieces, there's the potential that some of these guys might be diamonds in the rough or they might actually end up panning out. And in this case, you know, Shakira Makamadoulin, who's playing pretty well in the in the KHL right now. I I don't even want to try Oktiuk. Look, it's just there's the potential that these guys actually might pan out and right now might have no name value and right now might not be known to the general public, but you know, give it a few years and let them develop in an organization where now it's in a full re- it's clearly that they're moving towards a f- full rebuild. Maybe they'll actually be a big piece of the potential future in San Jose. Yeah, and two firsts. Can't really push that aside. That's very go. important. One's conditional, correct? Yeah, the 2024. It's a second round. That's conditional. Yeah. Yeah. And Makamadoulin, I think he was drafted. Gouli's draft? It was one of the online drafts, if I'm not mistaken. Because I remember that pick happening. I'm going, wow, what a name. Um, I'm going to check that out right, right now. He's, uh, yeah, he was drafted in 2020, 20th overall by New Jersey, obviously. Um, yeah, I think 2020, that was. Yeah, Gouli. Yeah. Yeah, Gouli, correct. Yeah, so he uh yeah, he's 19 years old, 6'4, 180 pounds. Look, I know who knows, 20, 20 he's the I think he's in the top 20 for uh scores by a defenseman uh by scores by a defenseman in the KHL mm-hmm. right now, which is really impressive for a 19-year-old, right? So, who knows what he'll turn into, but it might be it might be a diamond in the rough. Yeah, exactly. Um now this trade boggled a lot of minds to say the least. If I'm trying to trade a player, I feel like the first person I call would be Julian Brisebois. Like given the recent trade deadline well, deals that he's done, um, well, if you have like a if you have like a third line, if you have a perfect third line, yeah, wing or center, then call him. Man. Like, I wouldn't even talk to anyone else. 
Um, so in this case, Natural Predators, new GM, which we'll talk about right now because since it's their first trade here, um, David Poyle, who has been their GM for the entire franchise's history, which I think is about 30 years, maybe a bit more, um, steps down and retires out of the blue. It's kind of about time to retire, like right before a trade deadline, and comes in Barry Trotz. Very good coach who wanted to be in an upper management and kind of got a very good role right off the bat, you know, GM, bam. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, this was his first move. Oh, it was his first move. No, it was uh, Nino Niederreiter. Sorry. Yeah, because I skipped over Nino Niederreiter, unfortunately. Um, yeah, <laughs> Nino Niederreiter, that was his first move. But his first significant move here was trading Tanner Janot to the Tampa Bay Lightning. In exchange for, now get ready for this, hold your horses, Cal Foot, a 2023 fifth, 2023 fourth, 2024 second, and a 2025 first. <laughs> so that's a, a fifth, a fourth, a third, a second, and a first. Like, what? And Cal Foot. Like, what did you, what was that conversation? Go through, go through my, go through my draft list. Choose which ones you want. I'll give you five minutes. Literally, if you want, then I'll give it to you. It's just don't take over six. I don't Come on, take take about five of them. You choose. Yeah, yeah. Take take your pick. But I don't know. You know, it's it, it's funny because look, he's clearly a player that they were interested in, considering the amount that they gave yeah. up. Right, Jeez. he's a twenty-five year old. He's in his he's in his second full season as a Nashville Predator or a second full season in the NHL for that matter. He had half a point per game last year. He put up twenty four goals. Look, it might have it might be it might be a similar case to the Brandon Hagel situation where last year we said, look, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot, and we could still say that they gave up a lot. But as time goes by, does the trade get more and more worth it? Maybe especially in that Hegel situation where now he's slotting into that top six and he's looking like a complete hockey player in that system. Is that the case for Tanner Janot? Who knows? But I, if there's one team that can make this trade and it could be okay, like when I say okay, like, you, you, know, what I'm, you know what I mean by that? Like, sure, like the backlash won't be as bad. Yeah. It, would be, it would be the lightning. I the think. back-to-back Stanley Cup champions and runner-up. You know? Well, again, you look at the Coleman's and you look at the Barkley Goudreau's and... And then you even look at the Nick Pauls. You, they know how to find those those middle to bottom six guys that are going to perform for you. And if that's the case this year, look, they're going to need the help. They're going into it. We'll talk about the Leafs in a second, but they're running into a team that's or teams that are stacking up and let alone a team that's having one of the best seasons ever in Boston. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to make it out of a tough out of a tough uh, out of a tough division slash conference. But yeah, but um, but again, is that is that worth it for like they're ba- they're mortgaging their future right here? No. A little bit. Well, I think they have already, and I don't mind it if I'm if I'm going for it every year. And you have all these elite players still on your roster. Screw the future. The future is going to come at some point. No, you're I mean? you're 100 right. But I mean, but when I say like mortgaging, like I mean to the point where this year they don't have a pick in the first five rounds. Next year they don't have a pick in the first two rounds, and then the year after that, in 2025, they don't have a first round pick. All I'm saying is that it's it's one thing to give up picks; it's another to have no picks, right? Like mm-hmm. like there's there's barely anything. And look, they know how to draft. We've seen that based off of most of the players that they have on their roster right now. 
But at one point, at one point, like, I don't know. I guess you can't knock them, really. You can't really knock them. But it's just once the once the era is over, it'll be a, kind of a rough transition. But it's okay. You're winning championships. Every cares, team goes right? through that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll get to the Leafs right away. Kyle Dubas clearly is going all in, and I don't blame him. His job's on the line. Um, he acquired Jake McCabe, the fencing from the Chicago Blackhawks, Sam Lafferty, a fifth uh, and two fifths, excuse me, so 2024 and 2025, for Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, a conditional 2025 first, and a second in 2026. Um, so again, does not give up any significant roster spots or roster players, excuse me. Gives up another first, but he's going all in, getting that, you know, heavy defenseman. Depth forward. They got a Chari. They got O'Reilly. They're going for it because they're going to run into the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Nick Paul ruined their, or shattered their dreams last year. It might be Tanner Janot this year. So might as well add as many pieces as you can. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. Look, they're becoming a more and more scary team to play against. And it's oh, yeah. funny to say because for years now we've talked about how, you know, they, they're... There, we we mentioned this even at the top of the episode, right? They they have a very scary top six to play against, but after that, it kind of falls off, and they and they lack that secondary scoring. But you know, now they're getting now they're getting bits and pieces, and even on the decor, right now they're they're now they're really coming together, or the the decor is really coming together. So, becoming more and more of a of a complete team here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was just have we reached today? We have reached today, um, February twenty eighth. The first move of the day was Jesse Pugliarvi finally getting moved from the Oilers. He goes to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Patrick Postola, um, who I think is a prospect, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, look, if there's one spot he's going to really evolve, it's Carolina. Got a good coach over there. Got a bunch of fins. He'll be comfortable. He's finally out of that environment of Edmonton, where it just didn't work out. Um, so when I see this trade, it's just like Edmonton, man. You know, it's just another pick that didn't work. And what could have been with all these high picks they had, they should have won three Stanley Cups by now. Let's be honest, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's such a waste. It's such a waste. How do you screw up that many times? Yeah. When you have two of the best players in the league, how how do you let this happen? Well, we'll get to it, but Ken Holland <laughs> finally put his foot in the ground and and decided to make a move. But who knows how uh, who knows how significant that will be? But yeah, you know what? I like Pulyarvi, and I think look, ultimately he'll never be the play driver that they probably expected, and I don't think he'll ever be the complimentary player that they expected him to be. But in Carolina, you can stick him in a middle six role, and I think he'll be just fine, right? So. Mm-hmm. That's what they like. I, I think Carolina understands understands what they're going to get from their players, right? And they under and I think the players understand what they're there to do. And I think that's what's so great about their organization and their team. Or I, sorry, I won't go as far as saying organization. I'll say team. I think what's so great about their team is the fact that they have guys that are really willing to play their role and contribute to the contribute in the grand scheme of things. So I think PlayRV will slot in just very, very, very nicely there. Yeah, agreed. Um, moving on today, a few little small deals. Johansson to the Wild. And here, um, kind of out of the blue, 
Kyle Dubas trades Rasmus Sandin to the Washington Capitals in exchange for Eric Gustafson and Boston's first round pick. Yeah, so Gustafson in a first for Sandin. I don't know why they wrote it like this on TSN. Um, but yeah, Sandin for Gustafson and a first Habs legend, Eric Gustafson. Loved him or hated him. I did what he had to do. Can we can we uh can we uh just talk about for a second because every time I hear that name, I just think back to the Jet series where he scored that big goal and he started doing the guitar celly and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Game what four, the game hell? Four, where yeah. did that come from? Yeah, that was like wild. Bang, but yeah, yeah, no, that was, <laughs> I was so that too. Turned around and started going like this. It's so weird. The fans are going nuts. Yeah, all for real. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, and you're like Eric Gustafson, what? All three and, and fans actually, waving let's, their masks. <laughs> their mask. Well, let's reminisce for a second here. Like, are we? Like, are we not? I remember. I remember before that. Before even the Leafs series started, they were announcing like the lineups, and they were talking about like who's going to get in, who's going to get out. And you know, you had uh, who was it? You had um, Caulfield and and KK that were both scratched. But I remember being so furious that they were going with Gustafson and they were sitting someone. I don't Merrill? remember who John it Merrill? was, but they were sitting. It might have been Merrill, and I think I liked Merrill just because of the fact that, like, you know, he had a little bit of grit, and you're in the playoffs, and you don't want to push over, right? But he had anyway, crazy that, lettuce. That goal, but yeah, yeah that stash that too. Stash, man. Yeah, yeah that was a cool. That's a cool guy, man. John Merrill. Yeah, I like him. That's a guy you want to like have a beer with, you know? <laughs> there you go. Talk about his days playing Minnesota hockey. John Merrill. Habs. Le- I love. I love these Habs legends. too. I think they should do like a. A little like a, a nice dinner of that team, you know. Just get the get the band back together. Yeah, invite us. It's funny because it feels like it was so long ago, but it wasn't actually. Yeah, yeah. It's been what three years now? Two. Yeah, two, two, two. Yeah, two, two. I think. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, uh, you, that put us really <laughs> in some uh, memory lane here, just from the straight. But yeah, Sandine finally. <laughs> well, not finally, but he gets moved after. Uh, a pretty messy contract negotiation down in, in Toronto this offseason. Um, do you mind pulling up his uh, his contract deal here? Because I'm, I'm not mistaken, he'll probably I'm be an RFA it as we speak. It was a one year deal. Yeah, so so it was a two year deal with a cap hit of 1.4 million per year, so a total value of 2.8 million. Um, and he will expire. His contract will expire. Um, so he's in the first year of his contract, right? So it expires next year. I'm just trying to find where it would say that if he's an RFA or a UFA. But if I had to, if I had to, if I had to guess, he's 22, so he's definitely going to be an RFA. It's a, it's an age thing at that point. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's going to be an RFA. Um, yeah. I mean, I get. Look, like I, I don't. I want to hear your thoughts on it because honestly, I, I kind of don't know where I stand. Truthfully. Well, I think it's it's simply the Dubis and the Leafs just knew they wouldn't be able to lock him up long term. And might as well get a first round pick back in this in this move. You get a defenseman that can move the puck, and a first rounder that you kind of traded uh, in prior deals. Because um, I think they really like Sandine. So to be so to move him out of the blue like this before the deadline means this is our only chance at moving him before you know being stuck in a in a position where he might get offer sheeted or uh, might lose him. You know, or might have to negotiate for free, in a weird way. Right? Yeah. Or I'll go through arbitration that, or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, have a rough negotiation. I just also again. don't know how much I. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. Also, I just to be honest, I don't really know how much I like. I think he's I think he's a solid player, right? Former first overall. Uh, yeah, overall. I wouldn't give up a first would, though. Like in twenty twenty three, I wouldn't give up, up a first. Like, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing, right? Like I was kind of surprised that they like Dubas was able to swing that from from Washington. Um, yeah, grab their first. Well, but, it's Boston's but, first. Look, like, Boston's he, first. Boston's first, yes, correct. But whatever, give up, give up a first. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, look. I drafted in twenty eighteen. He's never really, to me at least, he's never really. He's always been solid, but nothing out of the ordinary. And I think that, like truthfully, I think Timothy Lilligren is actually from the Leafs games that I've watched and from what I've seen is actually progressing a little bit better than he is. And uh, and again, like you know, they're they're they have so many. Like, I think right now at the moment, they have like nine defensemen or eight defensemen. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what their rotation is going to look like. They might have to write nine, nine forwards and yeah. nine defensemen, but. Is Justin Hall really a defenseman though? Uh, he's so, he's really bad. And <laughs> I, I really, I, I'm, a, I'm like, I, I, but you know, I'm actually really happy that Dubas decided to move. Uh, I mean, I know you're going to get to the next trade, but maybe I'll jump the gun here. Pierre Engvall. Oh um, yeah. 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 Talk about a talk about like a weird fella. He he's yeah he's such a like he has such an unconventional style of play. It's really yeah. funny, but but uh, again like you get a third round in return for him from the Isles. Like I think that's I think you bet you're basically matching now what you gave up for Luke Shen, which again is another. I really jump in the gun here. About, but <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm getting a little out of myself. The Caps to me, you're a team that's probably gonna miss the playoffs. Let's be real. For sure. Um, so, like, well, not for sure, but it looks no, like. No, but like, you know, even if you do make the playoffs, it's a first round exit. Um, so, why are you trading first rounders? You know what I mean? Like, that's good. But when you're missing the playoffs, is he worth your first rounder? I know it's not yours, it's Boston's. So it's practically, unless they get a first round exit, closer to a second round pick. But, you know, if I'm kind of in this position where. We're gonna try and keep as many good players in Washington as possible until Ovechkin hits that, breaks that record. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to still accumulate first rounders because I know once that record is broken, the dumpster fire begins. So, you know, you kind of want to have some prospects in your system because I've never, I don't remember the last time you said, "Hey, you know that guy, that prospect in Washington? Maybe Hendricks Lapierre, Lapierre, but like, even at that." So there's never been that guy. Yeah, and right now, I guess the only one right now is like probably other than Hendrix Lapierre is probably Connor McMichael. But even at yeah, that, McMichael, nothing, uh... yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Right. But but you know uh, what? So like yeah. I, I would I would hate I would hate to be in the position that that Washington is in right now because you can't you can't go out and say we're gonna tank or we're gonna give up or we're gonna start throwing away assets because the truth of the matter is that as long as Ovechkin, like you mentioned, is a Washington Capital. There's no, there's no such thing as giving up. No, no, there's no. no such thing as throwing your your chips into the pile, right? So it's tough because I don't think they're a good enough team to compete, let alone for a Stanley Cup. So it's like you're in a position where it's like, well, you still have to try, but is it actually worth trying? Because you're not, you're not getting anywhere. Like it's, yeah. it's a tough middle ground. You have to have the a basic roster, like a, a good, not great roster, and still slowly accumulate picks. You know. Like they did with the right, Orlov like deal. How, how effective find him, is that? So, yeah, it's just it's because the market team's gonna love it when he breaks the record. It's gonna go. The publicizing's gonna be crazy. 
oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be not only good for no. Washington, it's gonna be good for the whole NHL. But, baby but the boy. truth is, right, is like Nick, right. But you look at like Nick Backstrom, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, Kuznetsov, good players, but I don't think that these are players that like other than Ovechkin, you don't really have that player that's gonna take you over the top. No, no, they're their just defense, mid. their defense, of course. They're exactly they're the they're definition mid. of the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. So again, the Leafs uh, trade Pierre Engvall, then they acquire in a separate deal Luke Shen from the Canucks. So Engvall goes to the Islanders, Luke Shen comes from the Canucks. Um, and now, actually, we'll move on to a significant move that happened as we started recording, or right before we started recording, as we were setting up our little setup here. Um, Ken Holland finally says, you know what I need? I think I need a defenseman. It took him a while to realize one that. that actually plays defense. Yeah, it took him a while to realize that, but he find, he acquires Matthias Ekholm in a six round pick from Barry Trotz's Natural Predators in exchange for Tyson Barry, Reed Schaefer, a first and a fourth. Um, no conditions on the first, nothing on the fourth. Tyson Barry goes the other way. Matthias Ekholm, I feel like, has been on the trade block for the past four years. Um, finally gets moved. He has a heavy cap hit, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's over six. I don't know what the term is, though, on that deal. I will tell you right now. He's making $6 million, um, and he was signed to a four-year deal, and he's in the first year of his $6.25 million cap. Oof. Yeah. And what's his age? What are we looking at here? Um, as of right now, he is 32. Oof. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. All right. The um, only... The- Good on trots. I was just gonna Damn. say, yeah. Well, well, good on trots, but at the same time, right? Like you're you're trading you're trading two bad contracts for one another, in my opinion, right? You're trading a Tyson Barry contract that's four and a half million dollars yeah. with this year plus one more left. Obviously, at that it's it's a lot less than a four year contract, and you're in the first year of it for Matthias Ekholm. Um, but again, cap wise, you're not really Barry you're has not, you're not really losing out on much. after this year. He has one more. Okay. Okay. So he expires at the is end it, of next season. It's just already the Oilers are so like, handicapped in, in cap space that now you're just making it more difficult in the future to do even more. Um, I would have loved for them to get Eric Carlson, but it's too bad when you're... But that's not what they need, though. That's the problem. Yeah, it just... In yeah. my opinion. No, no. If they could have had it, you know, added a, a Carlson and a straight defenseman, but um, right. Too bad they're giving out contracts like it's uh, monopoly money. But, anyways, well, right now it says they have two million in cap space. I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah, two um, million is nothing, though. You're right; it is nothing in in the grand scheme scheme of things. But yeah, anyway. Anyways, we ran through all the trades. Oh no, Gustav Nyquist. Forgot about that one. Gustav Nyquist goes from the for a fifth round, for a fifth round pick from the Blue Jackets to the Wild. Okay, he's hurt, right? Correct. So this morning, I, I saw some tweets about um, a memo that was filed by the NHL. I don't know if you saw this. A memo was filed by the NHL to all the teams saying they will closely review trades about injured players if they're not able to return um, during the season. So let's look. Example, last year, the Leafs acquired Riley Nash at the deadline, even though they couldn't afford him because they sashed him on LTIR until the playoffs. So they acquired a player, threw him in the playoffs. Now, apparently, that's a big mm-hmm. no-no. You're not supposed to be doing that. Um, so if this Gustav Nyquist trade happened, which it 
has been officialized by the league, clearly he's in a state of returning prior to the playoffs beginning. So, you know, unless there's a lot of funny business going on around the league office, Columbus got right. their, their fifth round pick for an injured player. And let's not forget that the second he comes off the books, right? He's right now, right now, I don't know if he's on LTIR or just IR. I think it says IR. Um, no idea. But anyway, right? He, he cost them about five and a half million, five and a half million for one more year. Um, I didn't know that that was necessarily something that they can afford, but. The wild? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They're paying 30 million to nothing. Right? Because they bought that's out. That's it, right? Buyouts. Like, <laughs> well, they have dead cap and yeah, Parise and Suter. They're how much that's is it? Twelve million cap? right there. Twelve. It's it's twelve seven. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, no, actually, sorry, it's more because they to O'Reilly and Orlov. That's another three. So you're at you're at over fifteen million. Oh, it's true. They're paying O'Reilly and Orlov. Yeah, but it was like what it was like. Yeah, O'Reilly's costing them one point eight million, and Orlov's costing them one point two million. Okay, for but that's total from those two guys of three mil. And they got what a fourth and a. Let's I want to say like a third or a fifth or something, something like that. They're, but they're, they're uh, Minnesota such a receives team. a fourth. Minnesota got a fourth and a fifth. So a fourth and a fifth for what a few million dollars of cash. They're just yeah, very I, mediocre. Look, I, I don't they're really... very mediocre. They've always been. They always. But will. again, that, that's. That's the thing, right? And it's like, it's like without, and I don't know if you've seen this stat. I saw it on Twitter and I don't want to, I'm not going to like, I'm not, this is not the exact stat, but they were saying something like there hasn't been a goal scored for Minnesota without Kirill Kaprizov on the ice at five on five in the last like 300 minutes of play, which is like ultimately over three games. And it's like, well, that's just ridiculous. They have nothing else <laughs> going and it's, you know, they lose Fiala in the off season and they, you know, they, they get something in return, but it was it really worth it considering that their team was in a pretty solid position in uh, go- ending off last season. They were they were a team to be reckoned with, mm-hmm. or they weren't a team to be reckoned with. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um. Anyways, uh, we'll move on to the Habs for the last few minutes of this podcast. Tonight they play the San Jose Sharks at SAP Center in San Jose, ten thirty p.m. start Eastern time. Um, Habs have been winning of late, um, except for a few losses in Carolina and I forget where. Uh, oh, at home against Senators. Um, they're at 54 points right now, sitting at 26 in the league. Vancouver's right behind them at 53 points. Arizona's at 49. So, um, you know, if they could start giving up places here in the standings, I'd kind of be a bit more content. Um, Look, it's against San Jose, who's even worse than them, seen at 48 points in the league. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, in that aspect. But I'd like to hear your bold prediction. For tonight's game? Yep. I don't even know if it's bold, but I'm going with a goal and an assist from Denis Gurianov. I'm, I'm stealing that one from you. I knew you wanted nice. something like that. I honestly that, didn't but... think of that. I didn't think of that at all. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's just, wouldn't it be such a Montreal, like a Montreal thing to happen? It's like... Go ruin the tank. Like, just, you know, bring you in because you're a reclamation project, but go ruin the tank for us. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to add, I'm going to add to that, you know? I'm going to go with uh, two goals and an assist from Chris Tierney. Jeez. Don't worry about him. Jeez. One goal in one game, or one goal in two games. 
See if you can add another one. Another two and an assist. On a, on a good pace. And and actually, and actually, I was just looking it up because I didn't want to make a mistake, but he's going up against his former team. Yeah, I was gonna say he's a former team, shark, so. no? He's a former shark. Yeah, he played for he played he played for four seasons. He almost played uh he almost he played like almost three hundred games with I them. I feel like so. when I think of Chris Tierney, I think of the Sharks. Yeah, see, I'm I'm on I'm on the fence. It's either the Sharks or the Sens for me. Nah, Sens no 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 did he play anywhere else? The Panthers for whatever thirteen oh, yeah. games this year. Okay, so he was that, he was in the Carlson deal, I'm guessing. I believe so. Yeah. Right. But yeah, no, that that would be fun. I mean, a few uh, a few few guys picking up some points should be no fun. Problem. I mean, a ten thirty start. I don't know how long I'm gonna be able to stay up for that one, but I'm gonna try. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Those games, those games are kind of ridiculous, though. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I understand you're on the West Coast, so it obviously makes sense for viewers on the West start, Coast. Yeah. But it's 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 a tough it's a tough start for uh, the East Coast. You're you're looking at a one one a.m. finish almost. Well, I got used to it during the um, the Canadian or the whatever division, the hell, whatever that was called, the Scotia yeah. Canada North, yeah. whatever the hell it was called, the North <laughs> Division. Yeah. Uh, I got used to it because they were in Vancouver eight times or in Vancouver four times, uh, in Edmonton another four times, and you're just like up late and you're watching those stupid shootouts that kept going to shootout every single time in Vancouver. I had to watch GT Miller skate all over the board just to a shelf, you know? And you're like trying to fall asleep, and you know like that at that time we were like trying to make a playoff push, and you wake you stay awake this whole time just for them to lose and shoot out because Thomas to lose, because Thomas, and then you Thomas, uh, Thomas would fake between the legs or something, you know, like what, what <laughs> you remember? And, that? He, and it's crazy, and you had and we had nothing else going for us because we couldn't leave our houses, and it was <laughs> like, well, it's like you stay up all of that, and that's what you yeah. get in return. You get that. Oh, oh man, what a time! What a time! yeah yeah anyway <laughs> anyways um <laughs> so we'll leave it on this note unless another trade went down hold on let me just check it the phone real quick no nothing happened um so yeah we'll we'll leave it on this um we're happy with this we're, we're hope, we hope you enjoy and uh yeah we'll catch you guys uh, next time